Life is made up of experiences that make us up. Each of these events contribute bits and pieces that shape who we are as a whole. It's kind of like how individual music notes come together to form a song. But a lot of people go through their lives without really hearing their own songs. We start to know ourselves when we are given the opportunity and the support to express ourselves. To put it simpler, self-expression is self-discovery. This episode talks about that highest form of love, self-love. And what better way to talk about it but with the universal language of music. It's Elsid, and it's again that time to wake up and smell the coffee. Let's get you coffeeated. Between generations, music has always been a tool for self-expression. Brendan Apuan is most themselves when jamming with their band, Queens. On stage and off, Brendan has strived to be true to who they are. From the bars and halls of Iloilo City, they're now bringing their music to the international stage. And with it, a message of courageous self-expression and self-love. The recording booth is ready for you, Brendan Apuan. Glad to have you with us. Hi, thanks. Great to be here. Okay, so Brendan, we, not a lot of people will know this, but uh, we entered high school together in Ateneo de Lido, Santa Maria Catholic School. Oh, yeah, we did. Both at the same time, in third year, both coming from the U.S. Now, mm-hmm. for me, though, I grew up in Iloilo City. I went to high school in special science class before I went to the U.S. Mm-hmm. So it was easy for me to transition back. It's like I stepped out for a minute, then I went back. But you, you actually grew up. In the U.S. though. Yeah, yeah. So how was the transition thing coming from the U.S. coming to the Philippines? Well, I guess there's no quicker or easier way to put it than I'm still kind of adjusting. <laughs> like, until now, because like... How many years after? Like, Oh my gosh. Don't ask me that question. I'm going to die. <laughs> uh, maybe like 15 years now? 15, 16, 17 years around there. I stopped counting at some point. But yeah, because uh, I grew up in L.A. and, you know... When we moved over here, I wasn't ready for it at all. I remember still like begging my parents, always like, please, can we move back, you know? But uh, in a lot of ways, I'm still kind of adjusting because, you know, a lot of the culture, a lot of, you know, how people interact here is very different from how it was when I was growing up over there. So um, until now, I still have a hard time, you know, figuring out how to address people like, you know, mams or tito, tita, and, you know, like, when is it appropriate? When is it okay to call somebody manong manang? Like, yeah. like there's a lot of things that I'm still adjusting to, but I guess I'm kind of, I'm a lot better now than I was then. I guess that's the especially thing. during that time we were in high school. You know, when we were still just trying to figure out who we were at the time. Yeah, definitely. So it must have been really difficult for you to go through that process. That's like taken out of your the only home that you knew, yeah. and then to a place that was very foreign, right? Oh, oh very, very. <laughs> so, like, what was your uh, safe haven then? What could you go to, to, you know, to just be yourself? Oh, well, for a while it was video games, actually. Like, uh, I, was a, I was really into playing video games in the States. Like, I had all the consoles that were out at the time, and that's kind of where I would escape after school, because, like, you know, being a kid uh, in a place where everybody sees you as different, you know, because back then I was a Filipino kid in an American school. So So you were different there? Yeah, yeah, even there. And when I came back, you know, I'm still still different. So (laughs) so it's like, okay, thanks. Uh, Out of the fire, uh, out of the frying pan into the fire. But uh, yeah, for a while it was video games. But after a while, you know, 
like I, I kind of stale. And it was around sixth grade, I think, where I discovered like a love for music. That's when I started learning guitar and stuff. And my mom would teach me after school. And from there, you know, I just keep on building and building up on that. I teach myself how to play the songs that I like. So, so music has been your safe haven. It's been your core for a while now, and that's kept you sane to express yourself. Yeah, definitely. Yourself. So, what does it really mean to you, though? Like, uh, what about music speaks to you as a person, as an individual? Well, you know, the thing about music is that it can be anything you want it to be. Like. Uh, Some people, you know, they write books, they create these entire universes. And, you know, it's always intricate. There's these characters and the way they interact with each other and different races, different lands, different lore for every single one of them. And in a way, music is kind of like that for me. Like, I try to create universes that you can hear. Uh, and I have stories that I try to tell through my music, you know. Even if it's instrumental, like, I try to create a world that... You know, you can hear the the beating of the drums. You can hear a certain heartbeat or something like that. Like it's to evoke something yeah. for us to imagine our own contact. Yeah. So it's I've, not actually built for you to just tell a singular story. Not always. Like a lot of the time, they inter they intertwine with each other. Uh, like, because I don't exactly see it as one story alone. Like music itself for me. Like, uh, how should I put this? You know, because music is a lot of a big part of music is harmony, and for me, like I find my harmony in music. So music is kind of me. And shit, how do I put this? I'm sorry. It's not something to express yourself. It is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like it is me. That's I'm all about that. So the the thing though is like uh, it's different. It's different uh, components coming together, right? Different pieces of. Uh, Just one song, yeah. Like, and any piece can communicate it differently. Because to me, music's just been about communication. Yeah. But for you, it is you. Yeah, like it's it's my entire being. You know, I try to put myself into everything I do, and I kind of feel like music is the easiest way for me to do that because, like, it's a language that I'm entirely fluent in, and I guess it, like. I express myself best with music. Did, did, music, did, music. Did you ever go to college for anything that's not music? No, I, oh, sorry. That's not music. Not music. Actually, I didn't go to anything for music either. Because like, I was supposed to actually in high school, but you know, um, my dad wasn't 100% behind the whole music thing, you know, when I was in high school especially. So uh, I was actually supposed to go to school for the arts for music, but he was like, no, let's just go to Ateneo. Yeah. And that's where we met. So it kind of works. <laughs> actually, I remember when we were in high school that you were already into music, right? You were yeah, already 100%. playing in bands. You were already in Sonata. The yeah, club the music thing. club. Yeah. And the, the thing is, uh, it reminds me, your whole thing reminds me of uh, what Kobe said. Mm -hmm. When Kobe said, like, you know, uh, if we have this uh, idea of ourselves, then uh, if we devote ourselves to it, all of ourselves to it, then there's no way that a person can be better than you. Because uh, this is you. This yeah. is you. Like, come hell or high water, this is me. So when I achieve something, it should not be something that's euphoric or surprising. Because this idea of myself, you're only seeing it now. But this version of myself, it's already been in him yeah. the whole time. So is that, is that how it is for you? Are you sure Kofi's sure not a musician? Because <laughs> that's like pretty spot on, honestly. Wow. With, with how you think about it yourself. Yeah, I see it myself. Because... Uh, but yeah, like essentially, like it's always been me, and I finally found the language to, you know, express it in. So, and uh, 
the thing about that is the the way that you've structured yourself. It's always around the uh, the idea that the now we can see you. Yeah, you can charge yourself, especially. Yeah, like even outside of music too. Like uh, I guess finding these ways to express myself also helped a lot in like self discovery and figuring out who I really am as a person. It must have been hell for you in CAT. Oh, so when much. They, they, when they made you cut your hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like that was a really. Here's the thing: like when I have short hair, I don't recognize myself in the mirror. Like that might be a little bit weird for some people to hear, but like. If I have short hair and I look at myself in the mirror, I kind of feel like, who the hell is that? I kind of want to kill that person, you know? <laughs> like, it surprises you, like, when you walk past. Yeah, yeah, you essentially. Yeah, because that wasn't me, you know? It's actually, it forces you to fit in a bottle that you shouldn't be in. Yeah, yeah. essentially. So have you felt that all your life? Yeah. yeah, pretty much. I think you could say that. So, with music again, like, why Queens? Why was it your band name? Oh, that's, oh, that's a good question. Honestly, I don't know. Well, that's kidding. Um, actually, it was our guitarist's idea, like, because it wasn't supposed to be like a super serious thing. Uh, actually, we just kind of came together to uh, compete in a competition. And uh, when we were trying to figure out, like, what should we call ourselves? Our guitarist, JC, his girlfriend, uh, like, her nickname is kind of Queen. So, like, he's like, okay, let's just call it Queens. And we were just like, okay, sure, whatever, it's not going to last. And here we are, signed to Warner for distribution. I'm like, okay, is it too late to change? I don't mind. It's not going to last that somebody gets pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that, I guess. So can you tell us a little bit more about your band? All right. So um, what I think is really great about our band is that everybody has their own influence. Like, um... Our lead guitarist, Pau, he has a lot of like really prog influences and virtuoso-style influences like Steve Vai and Dream Theater. Our, and did I know what those yeah, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I, like, I, like, I know that you're going to be pretending, but like some people out there might be like, oh yeah, I know that band. So, um, and our drummer, Mac, he's really into like J-rock and stuff, J-pop, and he listens to a lot of Blackpink. Uh, he's uh, also into the whole Oh, you don't know Blackpink? Oh, well, I know Blackpink, but yeah, 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 it's cool. And um, yeah, our guitarist is into a lot of Paramore. You probably know them. And me, I was into like the really obscure shit, like pop. Like, but yeah, I was into a lot of really obscure stuff, like punk rock and like stuff in the underground. So that kind of all came together, and we have this sound that kind of works out. There's a little bit of everything for everyone, and I think that's something that I, we really pride ourselves on. If you were to describe the music that you put out, like normally people are put into a genre. Mm-hmm. Think your band has a genre? Um, like I think a lot of people would describe our music as indie rock, okay. and I like to say that there's a bit of a math influence because uh, personally, I really love a genre called math rock, mm-hmm. which is basically uh, rock music that is in a lot of weird time signatures and stuff like that. Uh, so uh, I feel like we have a very strong influence from that genre, but it's an indie rock, so it's taking something that's not super commercial with something that's a little bit more familiar. And kind of inching people towards that direction. Then becomes uh, uh, financially rewarding. I yeah. hope so. Not, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> what do you think of the industry, though? Uh, the industry. Uh, the is... industry is very interesting. Like surprisingly, there's a lot of politics behind it. Like um, a lot of people think that you know, just because you're super talented or like you're really good at making music, you're gonna make it big for sure. But that's not always the case. Like not a lot of people realize that luck and connection play a really huge role in the music industry. What did it mean to you to, you know, uh, be partnered with uh, Time Warner? Uh, well, 
like off, of course it was like a really big deal for someone like me who like didn't really think we'd be going a lot of places with our music. Uh, but you know, it's something that I love to do. It's something I've always wanted. So uh, you know, it's just breathtaking the fact that they even considered us, I guess. But you know, of course, there's always the living up to the expectations. So the politics that you talked about was that in the process of becoming partnered with Time Warner or some other experience. Uh, um, like some, like I think. The industry in general has a lot behind it. So uh, the whole connections thing is actually a huge, huge, huge part of it. Like there's so many amazing talents that go unrecognized because they just don't know the right people. They don't know how to market their stuff. And surprisingly, that's like a really, really big part of making it in the music industry. Now, as somebody who's in marketing, uh, I think that's apt in a way because uh, it kind of doesn't matter. We always say like it doesn't matter what your message really is. It doesn't matter how good you thought of the marketing messages if you didn't find the right channel. Yeah, so if nobody yeah. hears the message, does the message really, in fact, matter? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, that's the way I look at that. I look at that. So, politics, yes and no. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, okay, I'm... I'm ignorant when it comes to the music industry. Yeah, politics well. might not be the best word, but yeah, I mean, you know. Opportunity. Yeah, opportunity, yeah, I guess. Economy for opportunity. So there's no support system, something like that, right? Uh, hmm. Well, there is kind of like, you know, as a band, you know, we try to build up a support system, you know, we have like I people... mean, for, for, let's say in a larger scale, like if you find, find a band, there's no easy path that you can follow, like talk to this person, talk to that person, or learn this or learn that, then step into the industry. Unlike, for example, if you learn marketing, you already know which uh, firms you can apply to. Oh, yeah. Like, found your own. Like, like theory behind it. Yeah, kind of. Like, you know, the hard work part comes, like, it's constant, you know, but even once you get to the point where, like, things should be smoother, like, that's... Shit, sorry. Uh, yeah. Are you really nervous? Yeah, actually, I'm... Can you perform, like, in front of the That's the thing, you know, because people say that when I'm on stage, I'm a completely different person. Because, uh, like, my mind is, like, always jumbled, you know. It's a huge mess of wires and tangled up in all the wrong places. Uh, But, like, when I'm on stage, you know, that kind of just disappears for a little bit. You just play. Yeah, I just kind of play. Like, it comes naturally to me, I guess. So I guess it's kind of pointless to ask you, like, what does the process feel like for you? Like, what kind of process? You know, writing songs, playing on stage. Well, I can talk. Well, about, I can talk about that a little bit. Like, um, if you want to like talk about songwriting, usually, because uh, one thing I'm really, really into is music theory. Like, I like to analyze like certain notes and how they interact with each other, and how a certain notes that sound that would normally sound really bad together can sound really great together in the right context. Uh, that's something that I really, really like to look into. So sometimes I just kind of play around with that and the ideas just kind of flow. Because uh, some people kind of think of music theory as the rules of music. But I like to think, like, you need to know the rules to break them. Mm, kind of like uh, physics, in a way. Yeah, I guess. the box, you get to know what's inside the box. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. So, uh, what, is, what does it feel to get on stage and play in front of a lot of people? Oh, it's, it's exciting, you know. Uh, to share something that I love with a lot of people. I think any artist would agree that that's like such an exhilarating feeling, you know? That's something that a lot of us chase after because, you know, uh, the art was meant to be shared with a lot of people. It's also for you, of course, but 
it's so fulfilling to be able to share what you love, your passions with other people and to see how it touches them, how it affects them. Like if I can make one person, at least one person per show feel better because of our music, then I feel accomplished as hell. You know, that's, that's something super important to me. Wow. Now, uh, I actually tried to learn how to play music. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't know that. The thing for me is that the, if I have to learn piano, there has to be nobody around. <laughs> it's like, you know, I don't even like it when people are like, you can do it. I said, no, shut up. Get out of my way. Let me play. <laughs> oh, I like, and then the, uh, the, the many uh, instructors that I've had, they always tell me that I'm very mechanical. Hmm. I always try to put my shoulders into it when you should be just, you know. Really yeah, nice. I like smooth. I always yeah. try to put my shoulders into it. You go to the gym and yeah, I do work out. <laughs> you know, so uh, I was actually thinking, that's a barrier for me to get into music because I don't have the confidence. The, the reason I'm so mechanical and so deliberate with my movements is because it feels like if I work harder, if I press the keys harder, mm-hmm. from an effort perspective, I'm doing more to try and get better. Mm-hmm. So, like, how would you talk to musicians like that? People trying to get into music. Hmm. How would you Most people trying to get into or it. Them or like well, you know, like, everybody has something that drives them. There's, like, I think something beautiful about music is that there's something for everyone. So, like, somebody more mechanical, I think maybe you'd... Would you say you're the kind of person who enjoys, like, experimenting or...? Not necessarily. No, like, you like to be sure about what you're doing. Okay, well, I think... I, you might hate this, but I think classical music is something that a lot of people who are, like, who like to be more mechanical, more sure, more precise about everything... Like, that's usually a good uh, venue for them because not only, like, with the certainty, like, you have to be, you have to know what you're playing and, like, everything is listed out. Like, a lot of classical musicians, they have their stuff listed out for them and they know how to play it. They know how to feel it, you know. But uh, their way of feeling it is also something that comes in with the way they read the notes, you know, the way they understand that this is supposed to be like this or this is supposed to sound like that. And from there, that's, they're able to translate a little bit better. What does that mean, feeling the music? Everybody always tells me, feel the music, don't just read it, feel it. What's that mean? Hmm. Well, I guess... Hmm. Well, I guess one way, like for me, how I feel the music, because I'm a bassist, it's a little bit easier for me. <laughs> so, like, I can feel it in my feet, and, like, I can feel it in my chest, and uh, when it comes through my ears, the way it translates is something that makes, like, you can kind of predict what's coming. Or I think I can bring that back, like, with a question for you, because, like, I know that you're really passionate about basketball, right? Yeah. So I think, you know, how you feel when you're on the court, you know, you do, you, like, feel the game in a way, or, like... Uh, I guess, I guess, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh... uh... You can hear the ball bounce, right? And you yes. can and you yes. can see where your opponent is on if he's leaning left, leaning right. Mm-hmm. So if you if you go right, then he goes right. Then you can feel him, right? Mm-hmm. So you just let your body guide you, and you know what to do. You yeah. then like spin across and you take the shot without even seeing him. Mm-hmm. But you know it's been done so many times for you before; it becomes instinctive. Mm-hmm. You can just feel where he is, and then know immediately what to do. Without yeah. even thinking about, okay, he's here. What do I do next? No, yeah. it's just, oh, he's here. Yeah, I think it's a lot like that actually for like feeling the music because, 
when you hear certain elements, like uh, a certain note comes up and you know what's supposed to come next or you know what would sound good with this, I think a certain amount of practice comes first before you can uh, do it instinctively. Some of some people have the gift to like be instinctive right away, but you know, after practicing for a while, you'll you'll be able to really feel it a lot better. Like when you feel the drums, when you feel the guitars, and everything comes together, and you know where you're supposed to be in this world. You know, try it out. Yeah, you don't have to think about it. You just try it out. Yeah, definitely. So is that how it feels like? Yeah, for it's me like, anyway. It's like it's like uh, surfing. Yeah. It's like surfing. It's like surf- kind of like surfing. You know, you just there, and then the wave comes, and you just ride out the wave. Yeah, definitely. I think so anyway, since I've never surfed. I can't swim, so... <laughs> okay. But I assume... So today we learned that Brenda can't swim. I cannot <laughs> swim. If you're trying to kill me, that's the most effective way. <laughs> okay, so now we, uh, we're we starting with a new segment here on Coffinated. Uh, it's all about uh, stories that give context. All right. So I'd like to equate... These are some of the photos that were taken from your social media. Oh, goodness. All right. Give us a little more context. So it's kind of like uh, drinking coffee and waking up because uh, some of these photos are not all that... Uh, yeah, flat- yeah, flattering. I can imagine. <laughs> so you can tell us the story behind it. So all right, we give it a little more context. So here's one. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, that was on the wish bus. Uh, yeah. We actually tried to. What's the word? Like, because there was a competition, they were looking for the next big band, I guess, and we entered like on a whim. Like it was two days before the submission date. We're like, hey, let's try this out. So we we signed up. We waited in line, and when we got there. Like, I don't know how my bandmates felt, but for me, I kind of felt like that wasn't our best performance because everything went wrong on my end. Because, like, as you can probably tell, I'm an extremely nervous person. <laughs> and, like, when I hear myself in the headphones, I'm just like, oh, my God, is that what I sound like? And that's not a good place to be at right before a performance. I know, that's, that's, that's the worst part. Because, like, I guess when you... When you become conscious of these things, you know, and when you're not feeling the music, yeah, yeah, there you go. it becomes a little bit harder to feel the music because you become conscious about all these other things, and uh, yeah, there's also the fact that my equipment kind of messed up a little bit, but um, yeah, that that was the photo that we took after after the performance, and yeah, it was it was a nice feeling, like it was a good experience, and. Hopefully someday we can go back and try again. So it's like uh, it's like uh, when you found the when you formed the name it was on a on a whim. Yeah, yeah. And doing wish the wish bus thing also on a whim. Yeah. Is, is, it, is that how your band kind of goes? Honestly, in a lot of ways, yeah. Because like even for signing up for Warner, it was kind of it was done on a whim because it our guitarist was actually the one who met with the label, and. Actually, we didn't really have any intention to show demos, but uh, he went with one of our other friends who is actually like affiliated with Warner, mm-hmm. and he was showing off his demos. And then one of the representatives from the label was like, hey, can we hear your stuff? And my guitar showed our stuff, and they ended up really liking it. So yeah, I guess, I guess like what I said earlier, like connection and luck play a big part. Luck was definitely on our side then. What about this photo? Okay. Ah, oh, that's with me and my partner. Yeah, I really, I really love my partner. Like, they're super supportive. Uh, this was during a cosplay shoot because, like, yeah, for those who don't know, I'm into anime and cosplay a lot too. Uh, this was for a Valentine's shoot. Uh, we wanted to do something for one of the popular animes at that time, which was Demon Slayer. And uh, one of the character, uh, two or two of the characters there are like kind of 
like everybody ships them. I don't know if y'all like know what that means, but yeah. Yeah, I know what ships means. Okay, great. Just making sure. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that much older than you, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Just needed to make sure, you know. But yeah. I'm still young. <laughs> yeah, we're about, uh, like, you're like, what, one, two years older? I'm 28. 28. Okay, yeah, so one year older. Yeah, All right. Okay, good to know that ship is within. <laughs> well, uh, I, but what I want to know is, what's with the Mountain Dew? <laughs> Yeah, that was actually something we also decided on a whim. Is that like kind of the theme for the day, I guess? Uh, but yeah, we thought it would be funny because uh, my partner actually saw this comic, which was something similar. Like, uh, do you want to taste the Mountain Dew? And the character drinks it, and then she kisses the character. So we kind of wanted to recreate that, and that's what came out. <laughs> and the Mountain Dew was just like, okay. Where was this? Uh, this was actually at Times Square? Yeah, I think oh, guys on Times Square. Square, yeah, on diversion. Like, there's a little bridge area in the back, and that's kind of where we did the whole shoot. Here's the last one. Oh, lovely! Yes, that was taken during Pride. Yeah. Um, did we cover this one? I think yeah. I think I saw you guys there. Yeah. You and Jonah. This is the one with uh, Senator Montegros. Yeah, when ah, yeah. Senator Montegros was there. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was the second Pride we've ever attended together. Uh, like like I said, like my partner is extremely supportive, and uh, like we were able to go to these events together. It kind of feels like a breath of fresh air, because like everybody is just kind of vibing. You know, everybody's just being who they want to be, and that was a good opportunity for us. Because that was like even long before I kind of figured out, you know, who I was as a person. Like when I was kind of still getting there, uh, like that was kind of a big thing in helping me feel more comfortable in my skin. And seeing other people. Yeah, and seeing other people doing the same thing, you know, like everybody is just trying to live and exist, you know, as themselves. That's interesting. And we're going to talk more about, you know, self-expression, self-identity and all that right when we get back from the break. Awesome. Welcome back to Coffee and we're back here again with Brendan Apon, the vocalist and bassist for The Queens. Now, Brendan, you are clearly a person with a strong sense of individuality and self-expression. Now, how has life like been for you? with this strong sense of individuality, especially here in the Philippines where we kind of limit people and try to bottle them into things that we think they should be. Well, uh, you know, it's honestly, it's been a little bit easier now lately since, you know, there haven't been a lot of things going on outside. You know, people aren't really meeting up so much. I kind of have... Because of the pandemic. Yeah, because of the pandemic. So I have a little bit more room to like, you know, just kind of silently put myself together. But um, before that, you know, uh, especially like when I, back when we were in high school, because I think you remember I was kind of always on the list of people who get their hair cut by the, by the <laughs> perfect of discipline. Yeah. Did they um, actually give you haircuts? I don't remember. Oh, back then they didn't. But when I was in Westbridge before, yeah, oh. when I was in Westbridge, a teacher actually cut my hair. That was not fun. <laughs> it must have killed you every time they did. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. 
Like, uh, like I like I mentioned earlier, like if my hair is short, I can't really see myself. I don't recognize myself because that's not me. And I guess they kind of had this thing where they wanted everybody to be the same. Yeah. And like what their idea of a perfect person to be modeled after that just, you know, it wasn't me. Uh, especially like with things like self-expression because uh, when I do this, when I dress up or how I do my hair, when I wear, put my face on, you know, uh, these are I all things. Yeah, yeah. But like basically I do these things not necessarily consciously to like say anything. Like this is just what's most comfortable for me. Like this is my most comfortable form. Like some people might feel most like themselves in a certain uniform or some people might be more like themselves when they're in sweats and a t-shirt and cozy in bed. Uh, this is this is me, you know, this is most where I'm most myself. This this reminds me of a Batman quote where he says, uh, uh, I don't wear a mask to protect who I am. Yeah. It's to create what I am. Nice. Something like that. You know, it's like like for me, uh, uh, the person that I am in front of the camera is not necessarily the person I am without the camera, right? Mm -hmm. The person I am when I'm negotiating in meetings or when I'm pitching to a client is not the person I am when I'm not. Yeah. So like, uh, I've actually kind of... Uh, what you say created a personality in a sense. Mm -hmm. Like when I take off these glasses, you know, Super I can bad. be a little yeah. more. You know, but when I put on my glasses, it puts me in the frame of mind where you know it's business time. It's mm -hmm. time to work. So I can kind of, kind of uh, get what you mean. But is is that your hair? Is that your actual yeah, yeah, hair? I killed it myself. I hate, <laughs> I hate people with hair because you know my hair is that. I'll cool. give you some of mine. We can, we can. <laughs> if you don't have. If you don't mind having like a couple of purple bangs up front, you know. <laughs> so like, it's no secret that our society, especially yeah. here in the Philippines and in Iloilo, it's not been kind to the LGBT brothers and sisters. To be perfectly honest, uh, me personally, I also have some hesitation and some problems with the way I think about things. There are several stigmas that create this unsafe spaces yeah. within our community that make people feel like outcasts, like they're unwanted, unloved. Like, uh, uh, I was also bullied growing up, you know, for being a nerd, for liking comic books and stuff, yeah. playing games. But I'm sure, you know, a lot of people feel like this, like they're unwanted and unloved. Yeah, 100%. So what message would you like to tell people who are not as accepting of people like you, like us, like other people out there? You know, that's the, that's the thing, because, like, I feel like the people who, you know, don't accept, like, they have aversions, you know, it's kind of, like, there's something within them, you know, there's a reason for that, and I've noticed, like, with a lot of people who tend to hate on gay people, for example, like, they feel it's wrong because, well, first of all, because of what they were taught, what was hammered into them when they were growing up, but there's also the sense that, you know, this person gets to do what they want, why can't I, you know, I kind of feel like, at one point in their life, they wanted to do something that would be seen as traditionally feminine. Like, maybe they just wanted to... Like, if I use Ross from Friends as, as an example, like, he got crap from his dad for wanting to wear a tank top on summer day. And his dad said that was something really girly. And that's why he was kind of... Like, he has to play with G.I. Joes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, great, you've watched Friends too. But yeah, he was kind of a... He, basically, put simply, he was kind of a dick to their babysitter who was, uh, you know, kind of a feminine man. And I kind of feel like, you know, in a lot of people, that's the same for them. Like, they want 
they want to try something, but they were told that it was a bad thing, you know, from growing up. And again, that comes back to being hammered into them to the point that when they see somebody who's able to live so freely, who, they see somebody who's able to do all the things that they were told that they were not allowed to do. It makes them angry, you know, because like, why, how come they get to, and this should be wrong. Maybe what I'm doing is what should be correct. You know, it's with the, even with the simple things, right? Yeah. Even yeah. Maybe, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's, that's a thing. Like, I don't know how to put this. Like I'm a lot of people might get angry about this, but you know, subtle. yeah, it's very subtle. Let's start small. Like there, uh, I know people hate the word toxic masculinity, but you know, as a concept, it's something that definitely exists because uh, a lot of these ideals are held to be perfectly masculine. Like, Oh, you can't cry. You know, you have to hate on gay people. You have to be dominant over women, you know, that kind of thing. Like these are all toxic traits that happen to be, I guess, holding hands with what masculinity is in our current society. Like, you can't show emotion. Yeah, you can't show emotion. And it's funny, too, because, like, a lot of people who complain about, like, oh, no, toxicity isn't masculine. Toxic masculinity is a stupid concept. But they're also the same people who complain, like, oh, nobody ever listens to men's problems. And, you know, the reason why people don't take men's issues as seriously it's because of toxic masculinity. Because like you're told that, oh, that's that's so gay. You have feelings. Oh, you cried because of this. That's so gay. You know that kind of. And because they don't want to be seen that way, you know they 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 just keep on. You know they keep it bottled up. They put up this how should I put this? This wall, this mask of what what they feel a perfect man should be. You know, uh, like always stoic and never. Never like you know, never showing signs of sadness or depression or anything. Yeah, vulnerability. Yeah, perfectly. Uh, they don't show those things because that's how they feel like a man should be, until it destroys them on the inside. Like surprisingly, like uh, I'm not sure if this has changed since I last read it, but apparently, uh, suicide is more prominent among males. Like more men are more likely to commit suicide because of this, because you know they don't have people to talk to about the things that they feel. They don't have anybody to express these feelings to because of fear of coming off as feminine or gay. And, you know, like, when you look at it it's like that, it's really sad, you know? It's like, uh, uh, even for me, just small stories that I kind of have a lot of problems with asking questions. Yeah. Especially when it comes to asking for directions. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, I remember when I traveled from... North Carolina mm-hmm. to Edo. Now I had to go to Las Vegas. Oh, now there was a, a tram. Mm-hmm. Uh, a tram is like from airport terminal to airport terminal. Yeah. Or you just ride the small subway in the airport mm-hmm. and it takes you all the way there. Now uh, I was there, I asked the question like, so where, what, which way to the terminal? So the dude probably was like, oh, you can just ride the tram. He didn't say that. He said, uh, it's this way. Mm-hmm. So I walked. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. And I'm like, and I saw a sign, there's a trap. Hmm. But the dude said this way. So I couldn't I, I couldn't second guess him, right? Because mm-hmm. if like I go to him like I couldn't ask him, so is there a trap to the terminal? Because it says here there's a trap. But he said it was this way. Yeah. So I can't go back and ask him, you know, seem like an idiot, right? Because I'm supposed to know where I'm supposed to go. Mm-hmm. So I walked. And it ended up being like forty five minute walk. Oh my god. <laughs> So it's it's kind of like that. It, it's it doesn't just 
it's not just about being, you know, part of the LGBT community. Yeah, like everybody suffers from those everybody things. Suffers. Yeah. So I like the way you put it, right? Like, maybe we're angry at these things because uh, it limits us. Yeah. And uh, seeing you free angers us that why weren't we able to do that? So maybe, you know, a lot of us can reflect a little more. Yeah, hopefully. About that kind of thing. So do you think now that there is a little bit of a movement or some momentum to change this culture? Like with you growing up now, like now there's Pride Week. Mm-hmm. Or not Pride, Pride Week, yeah. just Pride. Yeah, Pride. Yeah, we went to that. Uh, yeah. What do you think about that? Well, of course, like it does make me happy that we have these things because, you know, growing up, even me when I was growing up, you know, these, these ideals were hammered into me as well. Like my dad was kind of homophobic growing up. So like he would always tell me like there was, I remember specifically there was one time that I wanted to wear a golden belt that I saw in the closet and my dad was like hey you shouldn't wear that golden belt you know why because your uncle is gay and he's going to hell and he likes that belt and I was just like what the fuck is this like yeah I want to wear a golden belt you know like why not <laughs> and like I don't know I guess realizing that these these things that we were taught aren't exactly reasonable that they're not the most logical like way to think of these things I think that really helped me escape from a lot of the things that I was taught as a kid and you know I'm just a lot happier now and with the, the movement like with the LGBTQ plus movement and pride you know these are things where people get to really express like who they want to be and I think in that more people can kind of like I think it's healthy to question you know a little bit like were, were the things I was taught really the right thing you know what the things that I was taught is it's really better for the whole world. Because like when we question these things, we kind of, at the same time, we kind of find out more about ourselves. What do you think? But pride, is pride, like, it's kind of been marketed as only for the LGBT movement. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like it's not, right? No, it's not, not really. It's about like, self-expression. It's about identity. It's about yeah. self. Exactly. So it's not about LGBT movement. It's only that the our LGBT brothers and sisters they're they've been they haven't been hurt yeah so exactly. long. that's why they gravitate to 100 percent pride yeah because like like originally pride was like a riot the fight for the rights and until now it still kind of is you know because like not a lot of people realize this like people still think that you know, the LGBTQ is perfectly accepted in the Philippines because nobody is dying you know that's just such a low standard to hold it up to. <laughs> But, and even in, even then, you know, people are dying. Like, like a couple, wasn't there like a huge case? Like, like a trans woman was killed in Cebu, I think, a few years back. And that was yeah. like a big thing, yeah. So like, and even then, like people were laughing about that, you know? So how can you say that, you know, LGBTQ plus people are accepted when something like this is looked down on as just, oh, it's because that it was a gay man. It wasn't. It was a trans woman just trying to live their life. And they were murdered, you know? So, like, I just kind of feel like, at the same time, it's also for allies and, you know, people who want a better world for everyone. Because when everybody can be their true, most authentic selves, I really feel like that's, like, you know, the best thing for the whole world. Unless if you're, like, a murderer or something. But, of course, that goes without saying. But, but you know, when everybody can express themselves the way they want, when everybody can be the who they want to be. Yeah, I think that's just going to be so much better for everybody everywhere because, like, you won't have to deal, like, 
So about uh, pride and you know the type of people, the hate that they throw around with pride. And I remember that uh, I remember Senator Contreras saying, saying like, pride is about love and celebration of love, and where better place to start it than the city of love. Mm-hmm. Now there are a lot. There's a lot of uh, issues going on now. I don't know if you heard about this, but Lil Nas X. Oh yeah. With his. I'm not gonna talk about the same issues because I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. But uh, the uh, the new music video, uh, yeah, Montero, Montero called me by your name. Banger. Yeah. Now, it's. Uh, I actually saw it and I was like, "What?" The yeah. Uh, that was my first reaction. Right. That was my yeah. first reaction. And then like this is all unnecessary. Why? Why? What is this? Like, what? Do you, why is he lap dancing on uh, on Satan? On Satan. Yeah. That was the thing that I thought about. Then uh, he issued uh, an, uh, a statement, statement yeah. on Twitter. He said something like, the type of anger and hate that you feel right now is the type of anger and hate that I felt from everybody. Yeah. So whatever hate and anger that you feel right now, I want you to feel that. Because yeah. I want you to have a little taste of what I what I have had all my life. Exactly. Is, do you agree with that? Actually, yeah. like, I'm 100% behind Little Nas on this one because the thing is... it. You know, it really fucks you up as a kid to constantly hear like, oh, because you're trans, you're going to hell. Oh, because you're gay, you're going to hell. Like, no, no questions. Just bam. You're going straight to hell no matter what. I'm, be, I'm sure, you know, Little Nas X, he probably dealt with that a lot growing up. So, you know, what he did. He decided to twist the narrative. He said, okay, you know what? Because you guys keep on saying that I'm going to hell, you know what? I'm going to go to hell. And while I'm there in hell, I'm going to become the ruler of hell. I'm going to seduce the devil and become the new ruler. Because this is what you guys keep on saying that I'm meant to be. And I think, you know, it's funny because a lot of people got mad about that because of the imagery. Just Just a little bit weirded out. Understandable. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny funny because I'm laughing because I showed Gina this. And he was like, what is this? (laughs) And uh, just uh, as an aside, I talked to my girlfriend about it. uh, Yeah. And then she said uh, she finds nothing wrong with it. Yeah. And then she gave me a little bit of perspective. Mm-hmm. Think about the Cardi B and yeah. the Nicki Minaj. They do a lot of the same imagery, lap dancing with snakes and stuff and things like that. Mm-hmm. Why don't I have a problem with it? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, like, it's just because I have, the only reason I have a problem with it is because it's a dude that gets lap yeah. dancing. Yeah, because it's not something that you see all, all yeah. the time. Yeah. yeah. And, and the same with me is like, you know, I mean, it still weirds me out a little bit. Yeah. But fair. I can kind of see the point. But you know, I, I, to me, it's like uh, I've just grown up in this society so much. It, it still bothers me. It still bothers me. But I can kind of see like why I was shocked by it. I can mm-hmm. understand it from a rational perspective. Yeah. But uh, emotionally speaking, it's still it's a little bit hard. For that's me. fair. I mean, like yeah, like typically, you know, here in the Philippines, because we're like we're predominantly Catholic, very conservative. You know, imagery like that would pretty much freak out anybody who grew up here. But, and I have to unlearn so many things. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's the beauty of it. Because like, the fact that you acknowledge that it's something that you have to unlearn too, I think that's really great. Because from there we can see, like, okay, you realize that something is weird about, like, why is this a bad thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And from there, like, we can get really, really, really down into the core. Like, okay, maybe the reason why this makes me feel this way is because of this. Or, and is this a bad thing to hold on to? Maybe I should let go of this. And from there, you know, everybody, like just builds up and builds up until 
And the funny thing is that the song is so catchy. Yes, actually. And every time I hear it, like, it plays in my head, I see the no, no, not not dancing on Satan. <laughs> That's funny because people are like, well, would they have preferred him to lap dance on Jesus? Like, <laughs> like would that have made a difference? <laughs> this is a really fun conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and now the song is playing in my head. Right. <laughs> Which is funny, though, honestly, because honestly, like, Last, I, honestly, I hated Old Town Road. Like, that that might be an unpopular opinion, but I really didn't like that song for some reason. Really? Yeah, for some, I don't know what it is about that song. Is I guess I'm just not really into country. But <laughs> but yeah, Montero is a banger, you know. No and, denying. And, and interesting about like, this race also comes into it a little bit, right? So there are so many yeah. things that kind of forces us to have it. <clears throat> and uh, there's a. There's a play that was transitioned into a movie that was uh, adopt- adopted for a movie. Mm-hmm. It's called The Sunset Limited. Okay, so if we're going to talk about Sunset Limited, right? The difficulty that people normally have with just trying to exist and how people say there's so many things that we can hate, so many things that are wrong with uh, other people. Because uh, in Sunset Limited, there's uh, white and black, only two characters. Now, White wants to commit suicide. And then Black, who is an ex-con, is trying to stop him from committing suicide. White is a professor from a college. And uh, he tries to commit suicide by jumping in front of the train. The train is called Sunset Limited. Now, they have a discussion point here where White says, Do you know how many wrong paths there are? Their number is Legion. But do you know how many right paths there are? There's just one. So in that sense, you know, the wrong paths, according to the Bible, because they're talking about the Bible here, it's everything else that's not what everybody else is doing. So that's why there's so much room or capacity for hate, for judgment towards a person, as compared to just the right path, where you can just, if you deviate a little bit from this path, you're already wrong. So... In that sense, that's why, for me, Sunset Limited kind of encapsulates this kind of thing really well. I mean, it was for a different thing, like it's for going to heaven or hell, but it's kind of the same, right? For little Nas X, like, it's just, he's just a little bit different. Maybe not a little bit, but you know, (laughs) different to an extent. And then suddenly he's already going to hell. So it's the same amount of anger, hate that he's felt all his life is making us Feel that. Yeah, to give a little taste, you know. Just a little taste. Just tip of the iceberg. <laughs> so, how do you think we can kind of work towards making things better? Well, from this perspective, I think it helps, first off, to be like aware of the other perspectives. Because I think I've noticed that a lot of the people who, like, okay, I'll just put this right up. A lot of the people that I argue with in comment sections... <laughs> um, <laughs> A lot of them choose, you know, they make that deliberate choice not to listen to any other perspectives because they feel, you know, what I was taught from growing up is always going to be correct and there's no room for anything else. You know, that's just their mindset. But, like, if you listen to somebody else's perspective, maybe you can try to see, like, where they're coming from. And I think from there, uh, you can also, like, really, what's, what's the word? Uh, if we dig deep... 
and try to find out the we can why. Unpack yeah. Why we're like that. Yeah, exactly. Like unpack the why, you know, because there's always going to be a why. Why do I hate you for being gay, for example? Like if somebody thinks that, you got to dig down, you know, what's the reason? Because personally, I feel there's no there's no logical reason to hate somebody for being gay. Like if like even if they were right, even if they were right about God, you going to hell. Yeah. If you went to hell because you were gay, then you're going to hell. I'm not yeah, exactly. Like, how does it affect you, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, if you want to touch on it, like, personally, I don't feel like God would send somebody to hell just for being gay. <laughs> but, yeah, we don't, we don't have to get into that. <laughs> because I think, you know... It's just assuming, but not but yeah, just assuming. Because, like, realistically, we don't know for sure. But, um, but yeah, I think, like, if, if we can see the perspective where the other person is coming from, I think that helps a lot in unpacking these things. And from there, you might even make a couple of discoveries for, about yourself. You know, like maybe the reason I feel this way about this person is because I was treated a certain way when I was younger. We have to tre- we have to look at each other first as people. Yeah, exactly. Because at that. the end of the day, we're all people and we're all human. And the, Lil Nas X wrote a song about his issues and how he kind of felt. And you, I don't know if you, but Queens wrote a song about kind of these these issues as well. And it was like Technicolor, bit. right? Yeah, Technicolor. So tell me about it. Okay, so well, Technicolor is basically, um, what it is, is I call it a love letter to the LGBTQ plus community. But, you know, the funny thing is when I was writing it, I didn't have that in mind. Like when I was writing it at first, I just kind of wanted to get some thoughts out. Hmm. And that's what it ended up being. So I guess that's, that's what the song wanted to be about. I kind of feel that's when I'm songwriting, I don't choose what the song is. Like the songs tell me what they want to be. And I kind of feel like people can be that way too. But basically, Technicolor is a way of saying, you know, if everything is black and white, then why am I here? Because I'm violet, you know? Like, if everything is supposed to be just black, white, and gray, then how come there's all these other colors that are out here if you just take a look, you know, if you open your eyes? And in a way, it's trying to remind you that just because that you're not black and white, that doesn't mean that, you know, you don't belong here because... Color, you're you're a masterpiece. You know that's basically what I'm trying to say. You're a masterpiece. I mean, that's that's powerful. It's powerful. You're a masterpiece. Yes, that's what that's like what I'm trying to say. You know. All right. It's just you know be comfortable with yourself, love yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Because you are beautiful. Yeah. So what does the future look like for the queens? Um. Well, there's a lot of Call of Duty for some reason. <laughs> but yeah we're trying like we're trying to get some new stuff out it's kind of on pause for the moment because all of our files were on my laptop and my laptop just died rest in peace like yesterday it was announced dead so so until we can extract your hard drive yeah hopefully that's what i'm planning to do but you know i gotta save up for a pc now but (laughs) yeah but like until then you know i guess we're gonna be on hold for a little bit but for the meantime we're working on a playthrough all right. And some other stuff like that we can do for the meantime with what we already have out. Because uh, a lot of the stuff that we released recently didn't really get the, the same attention that our first single got. So we're like, we're just trying to, trying to build it up. Crash, right? Actually, you know, if I look at your Spotify, you have about four songs. Yeah, four songs. Like right Monochrome, Technicolor, Crash, and Gupit. Yeah, that's it. So have you released new things recently other than... Um, not yet. We were actually supposed to. There's one song... Uh, but we, yeah, that's what I said. I was working on that when my laptop died, so, 
So I guess that's going to be on hold for a little bit. So here's a question that I ask every, every guest that we have on here at Coffeinated. What does a regular day look like for you? Oh, okay. Good question. Um, wake up, <laughs> check social media until I'm sick of myself, <laughs> uh, get up for breakfast. Uh, of course, like, you know, between the, I, like the first thing I do in the morning is chat my partner. Like, we, we make it a point to say good morning. Uh, and then from there, I eat breakfast, and then I go straight to work, and I just work and work and work. What do you do for, for work? I'm a freelance pixel artist. Oh. So I make pixel art. You know, I'm all about that. Like, I, mean, I mean, like, I thought you had gone into the band thing. Um, like, 100%. I would love to be. But like, like yeah, 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 that's yeah. the thing, you know, it's a little hard to do that nowadays, especially like unless if you're willing to be like a commercial band mm-hmm. or like a show band, there's not a whole lot of money in it these days. Yeah. Unless if you're like, you know, four of spades and you get like millions of views a day. But, you know, for local bands, it's a little bit harder. So you work as a pixel, freelance pixel artist and then? Uh, so I do that from, I don't know, usually I wake up at 10 or 11. Uh, and then I start working around two. Uh, at five or six, I pick up my partner and we just kind of hang out a bit and just chill around until I bring them home at like eight or nine. Mm. And then uh, I head back to my place and work some more until 4 a.m. And then I go to bed. It's interesting because, you know, uh, a lot of people that we have here, the, the show is kind of geared towards success. So I really like your perspective now because uh, your sense of, this theme is about you, individuality, self-expression. So with them, it's like, oh, yeah, I get up, I do my list of things to do for the day, I work, and then after I work, I do work that's related to my work, but not the actual work. And then, you know, it's like three hours of sleep a day. Now it's like, you know, it seems very chill, very different. A lot better, yeah. I mean, you still work, you still work, but the way you say it, it's like, you know, yeah, because yeah, it's fun for me, you know, because it's something I'm really passionate about. Like, I'm a massive nerd for, like, retro video games and stuff. So being able to do that, you know, it's, it's more play than work a lot of the time. So uh, what are the three key takeaways that uh, our listeners and viewers should have from you? Okay, so three key takeaways. Uh, first of all, if you hate somebody, try to figure out why. <laughs> And really, really focus on that why. Reflect on that why. I, I really like, just, I know, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you said, if you hate somebody, figure out why. You didn't just say, don't hate somebody. I like how you approach it. You know? Yeah, because like, you know, you can always just say, don't hate people because it's bad. Like, everybody knows it's bad to hate people, but why, you know? Because I think that's, that will be more effective than just saying, don't hate somebody. If you figure out why, I think that's a better road to walk down and unhating somebody or understanding and you know just being better i guess uh okay the second thing to take away don't forget to breathe i forgot to breathe earlier in the first half <laughs> but yeah uh, you're doing fine, doing fine thank you but yeah i think uh, a lot of the time you know we're always so focused on trying to be successful and trying to get to where we want to get that we forget to take a breath sometimes and yes you can use me as an example, go ahead. Uh, but, uh, like, a lot of the time, it's really important that we remember to just, you know, just be, just exist and breathe. And uh, the third takeaway is that uh, never forget, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, you are a masterpiece. 
Or masterpiece. Ooh. Okay, so one is uh, breeze. <laughs> I know that's number two. <laughs> number two is if you hate somebody, figure out why. And finally, you are a masterpiece. That's a really, really good note to end on. So you're a masterpiece. And you're a masterpiece, Brendan. Thank, Thank you. you so much for you're being with us here. <laughs> Coffinated today. <laughs> Thanks, Brendan. We'll be sure to catch more of your music and stories as the years go by. Thank you for being an inspiration to people everywhere. And may we all go on the journey towards self-discovery. And just like any good trip, music always makes it better. Queen's latest single is on Spotify. It'll be in the description and in the show notes. But you know what else is on Spotify? This episode. We're also on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts as well as anywhere else you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Prometheus Productions. I'm Elsid. We're at Beautiful Courtyard by Marriott Ileido. We'll catch you again next time on Coffee Nated, so keep living life on coffee mug at a time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching.